Hi everyone, my name is David Hunter Jr., the host of Post in Black, where we celebrate black excellence behind the lens. We are so appreciative of all the support and the love that you've given to us, and without you, our audience would not keep growing like it has every single week. We just ask that you like, subscribe, and share this episode with your networks. Let people know why you like Post in Black. Write a review for us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are so thankful, and we can't wait to bring you more amazing content with these awesome guests. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Post in Black, where we celebrate black excellence behind the lens. Today, we have a very special episode with Ricardo Handy, the CEO and founder of the Handy Foundation. Ricardo, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you. Yeah, you know, I got I got a lot of love for you, you know, because in the building, I have a fondness for Oakland, California. You are a native, so yeah. welcome to town business in the building. Let's go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, as we always do before we start our episodes, we like to do a little icebreaker. Okay. All right. All right. What is something that you are watching right now that everybody should be watching? You're like, hey, you're not watching this? Oh, you need to get on that. You know what I mean? Give give us something. What's out here? There's so much content. It's so much out. So look, I'm gonna keep it real. Yeah. My first thought is to say the bear. Okay. I did. I, I'm not. I'm only. I'm only in episode one though. But okay. I got so much. Uh, I guess folks out there confirming that it's gonna be good, better, and better, really? and better. So, I, you know, a lot of my writer friends are like, you got to watch The Bear. So I'm, that's on my list, but I've been busy. What, what's it What's it, What's it? it about? You give us a little, like, what, what you, what's drawing you into it? Like, what made you even say, oh, I got I to turn Well, honestly, it's more about what I heard I'm going to see. Oh, right? okay. All right. Um, but, but I will say this is, is, is well written. Okay. Um, it's about a uh, sandwich shop and the, mm-hmm. and the kitchen staff. Now, I have a lot of history working on food shows, but okay. in the unscripted space. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that made me a little interested. And honestly, like, my wife enjoys it. So, you know, it's always good to have something you can watch yeah. with wifey, right? Right, so, right, exactly. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff that I like, like, you know, Breaking Bad, yeah. The Wire, she not, you know, not, that's tough and all that. So. I'm going to say this. Do you guys ever have an issue where, you know, you catch an episode and leave her hanging or she catches something you're like, you're like you already well, watched this? I mean, but I'm going to tell you something. Like, she <laughs> fall asleep, right? So, okay. After a while, I just... I just gotta finish it. I can't, yeah. can't wait like three weeks. Right. What are we see doing? See what happened. What are we doing? <laughs> I'll be like, yo, look, did you catch up? Let's talk. Yeah, to yeah, we can talk. Yeah, in two weeks. Let me know what's going on. I dig, I dig it. I dig it. There's so much out here. Somebody told me to watch Severance. I was getting on Severance, watching still yeah. like I yeah. watch Succession. I watch about eight episodes and then I like don't watch for a month and then I gotta mm-hmm. start back over again. You know, the morning show. There's there's just there's so much out here. I binge a lot though. So okay. like I think that question is different now because like what I'm actively watching versus what I watched like over the weekend two months ago. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Because like, right, right. people just go straight through. Like right. I can't think of the last thing I binge watched, but I know I'm waiting until I have time mm-hmm. and I wait till the season's over to watch then you the can new, catch new, yeah. for, for the new Game of Thrones. I so, hear that. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, feel I that. Watch that for okay. Sure. Feel that, feel that. Well, you know, we're here posting black and obviously it's an honor to have you. You know, there's so much that you do and you you show so much love to us here um at Post of Black. Can you tell the people a little bit about who you are, what you do. Obviously, I mentioned where you're from, but mm-hmm. yeah, let us know a little bit more about you. Whew. It's a lot. Because <laughs> I, I honestly have now just, I just consider myself an entertainment entrepreneur. Okay. Um, but I, 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 I was an editor first, like yeah. as far as my professional career is concerned yeah. in television. But, you know, I've, I've had like a few careers, honestly. Really? You know, like, so that the easiest way to couch it is, 
You know, I started as a production since I was 14. Mm-hmm. Started uh, directing music videos about 17, 18. Yeah. And I was exclusively like a director of music videos until I was 22. Wow. So I had a career. I was like one of the directors side of No Limit Films. Wow. When they first started with Jeff Clanagan and yeah. you know, GB over there. But, Be, real quick, you, yeah. you're saying that. How do you even get started? Like, how do you get signed? You know, little nigga, like somebody that's, it sounds so like, so dope, but like, yeah, how do you even get that I mean, connect? Like, saying. people like, just know you so far. Like each, each little five year period is a whole different story. Right? Okay. Like, All right. For sure. It's kind of crazy. But like, what I will, I'll go, I'll go back through that. But, but just to wrap up, like, how I got where I am now mm-hmm. is I started editing television at 22. Oh, wow. And I started, and that was right when the reality boom was happening. Fox, Fox was like the new mm-hmm. place to do reality. Yeah. And they were doing a lot of innovative things, and so I did like um, my big feminist fiance there. Yeah, I did went up, you know, went to ESPN and MTV and did a lot of the first originals, and mm-hmm. and then also when the, the changeover happened um, to to Deborah at BET, mm-hmm. and they started investing more into their originals. I did a lot of those, so that's when my career went from editor to showrunner, mm-hmm. and I show ran the Keisha Cole show wow. for that for that first three seasons. And wow was there for a while and then, um, you know, went on to MTV and did some television development. And then kind of the last little stint, the last 10 years, um, was really made up mostly of Bounce TV. I, I launched that wow. that original department. So a lot of the shows there are developed and produced. And um, and then the last three years, I've just been kind of doing my own independent thing, wow. consulting, you yeah. know, I have my own production companies and you know, yeah. post facility, things like that. Yeah. That's fine, man. Shout out to Bounce TV, you know, yeah. my, my guy uh, Derek Derek Brady, you know, and yeah. Johnson's in yeah. the show. Yeah, yeah. those, those yeah. good people, man. I know yeah, those guys. Nah, it's yeah. dope. It's dope what what it's grown to. So I I I I, uh, I I left Bounce like right before probably a year before that show launched. But, okay. but that's with Cedric and Eric Ron, mm-hmm. my guy over there. So yeah, we we uh, we kind of started that relationship, and then they grew it into that. Yeah, yeah. that's fire. That's yeah. a lot. You know, one of the things that I, I really like when doing all these interviews is the the history, how mm-hmm. people got started, and then mm-hmm. like the the experience. And you mentioned so many, like I, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, There's yeah, so yeah. much experience. Talk about your first gig. You know, what was that like yeah. coming into? Obviously, your first gig as an editor. Would you say when you're running that? Like, that's a that's a lot for 22 years old. Yeah, yeah. I graduated Hampton. I was working. <laughs> I ain't even gonna tell you where I was working. I was teaching, you know, middle school mm-hmm. and elementary school, but working on the first show as an editor. How was that at that age? Well, it's interesting because, and this is why I tell everyone: no matter what you want to do in this business or any business, mm-hmm. you got to educate yourself about the business. Yes, sir. Because I can tell you for a fact, I've been on set from 14 years old till I was 22, mm-hmm. pretty much every day, every week of my life, right? Yeah. And I had never been outside a set though. So I only mm-hmm. wanted to be a director. Okay. I didn't even know what the edit bay was all about. I've been to the edit bay. Mm-hmm. I knew it was a thing that existed, but I didn't really understand it like I understand it now. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know the money that was available. I saw the editor, someone that worked for the director. So my assumption is mm-hmm. the director makes more than everybody. Right. Because he's the one saying stuff. Right. So the editor works for him. I want to be the guy. You know, so yeah, I only, work for right. so real talk. I only became an editor because I needed a job. Mm. You know what I mean? I just straight up needed a job. I was twenty two year old, you know, in L A. struggling, yeah. you know, trying to pay the rent. Right. I, no, I wasn't getting up. And actually, Napster had happened, so music video industry had died. Yeah. Wasn't no more little low budget videos I could pay the bills with happening. Right. So long story short, um, my first day uh, on that job. 
I didn't even know how to use Avid. I never touched the Avid before. Wow. But the reason why I got the job was because I had been editing stuff on Final Cut at home. I had been um, editing my own music videos. Mm -hmm. And the post suit knew that I had the chops to come and be what they were calling a junior editor at the time. Okay. And um, we went through the whole process. He pretty much hired me. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was like, hey, you know Avid, right? Like, we don't have it here. Like as a, a side. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> we figured yeah, this out. Know, no, um, and by that time, I've been, you know, when I learned how to edit, I was 14 or 13, 14 years old. And I was learning on, I was on cuts only. So that was tape to tape. There wasn't, wow. no, it, was all, it was all analog. And then I taught myself uh, Final Cut. Wow. And I used this thing called Toaster 2000, which if you, oh, you know about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard it, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I knew, I knew. I knew a lot of different edit systems, mm -hmm. so I was pretty confident I could figure it out. Yeah. But I also don't want to take an L on my first day. Right. So I stayed there for 22 hours, Ooh. and that was my it was a night shift. And luckily, nobody needed my bay behind me. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. So you know, I stayed until into the next day, because I knew that they were going to come in, you know, wondering where my stuff was. Right. And I didn't know what a string out was. Right. And so um, they said they want you to string out the host intro for the show, right? So if you don't, if you're watching this and you don't know what the string out is, yeah, yeah, let the people it, know. It's just literally taking your footage. You know, you shot a bunch of stuff all day, right? And you know the host had messed up three times. Mm -hmm. We're gonna do a better take this way. So you're gonna find all the best stuff and put it into a, an order so all the best stuff is in line. Yeah. And the editor can actually hook it up. Mm -hmm. But I had never been on any show before. Right. I only done music videos and You're like editing before. and assistant editing at the same time. You're yeah, doing it was a junior stuff. editor yeah, role. Yeah, so, yeah, editor role. so that was just meant to like help yeah, the editor. Exactly. This, this is a big yeah. network show. Right. It's been a lot of money. We had like 20 editors on the show. It was a reality yeah. show. Um, so I didn't know what that meant, but I saw that there was music. So I just looked at other people's cuts. Like I saw the cuts okay. of the show. And I'm like, and I've I seen the show on TV, but not this particular one, but shows like it. Right. So I was like, well, I'm just making it look like that since I don't know what a string out is. So I just cut the whole intro. And then they moved me to cutting teases the next week. Oh, that's and crazy. I cut all the teases that season. That was crazy. Did you did you like that? Like when you when you had moved up, were you feeling good about it? You're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is... And they, they loved it too because they yeah. got me at the same rate but doing more work. Uh... <laughs> but it was my first job and it was a good experience. Yeah, yeah. That's dope. I think yeah. one, something that you said that triggered in my mind what do you think makes a good editor? You mm -hmm, know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. you had you had that like that thought process. Mm -hmm. It was easy for you to just think that, but mm -hmm. that's not everybody's first thought. Right. You know, right. like somebody told me as an actor, one of my uh, my coaches, uh, teachers back in the day, he said, "Man, you're great." He said, mm -hmm. "The difference between you and somebody on TV is you're giving it to me on their third take. They mm -hmm. give it to me. Their your third take is their first take." Mm. You know what I mean, and that that changed well, my, my mindset. Yeah, confidence. that's what it was. It was like just yeah. knowledge for that. So, but that's in everything, right? Okay. But like, yeah, confidence, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I've seen, I I know really good editors mm. that maybe get an edit wrong because they went in the wrong direction, okay. but it's still a dope edit. But that's just not their show. Gotcha. Right. Okay. But they're confident in what they do, right? Mm -hmm. So I do think everybody has something, some things they do well. Right, and, and know what you do well, and try to get opportunities that help you shine in the areas you do well. I guess, right? Because like, there's definitely there's a I, I come from music videos, right? Uh, yeah. So like, so what's funny is, um, most narrative editors would probably edit the dialogue first, right? Mm -hmm. Or they like, or you see, some editors I know they they really can't get past certain images. They got to make sure that these images are connected in the continuity. Right. Working, right. Right. 
for me, I cut for music videos, then teases, and then a lot of my work um, I was getting because I was cutting super teases for a lot of shows, right? Oh, so right. like, okay. you know, those super teases—that's that two minute that says at the top of the show, this season, yeah, all this stuff happens. So like that. a lot of MTV shows, I'll cut the super teases for. So, even when I'm in a scene, or cutting a, uh, I do a radio cut first. Okay. And um, and I really sometimes I can't finish the radio cut unless I put the music in it. Mm. So I literally, I, I could, for the most part. I've cut entire acts of television without even looking at the video. I turn my video off sometimes. Wow. And I just edit it like, because if, if I can't listen back to the story and know what's going on, then it's not good enough. I got you. I got you. That's a unique quality. And that's something that's different. I think that's a cool skill set that you mentioned. Everybody's different. It's, it's like, that's what makes you unique. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll get called for specific jobs or certain jobs, but with everything that you've done, it kind of led to some of the other items that you've done over mm -hmm. the year in your course of your career, which we're going to jump into music videos, scripted narrative. This is maybe a random question, but yeah. what, what has been your favorite, you know, project over the years? Cause we, we stopped right when you had your first gig, but you mentioned music videos. What is, what is something that you like and you take away from each of these projects, like the music videos to the unscripted to scripted? Yeah, I mean, I can kind of categorize okay. things, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I can have a favorite music video, favorite television show, or favorite reality show, probably favorite scripted show, yeah, like that. And and so I would say music videos are tough. I haven't done, like, a thousand of them, but... Mm -hmm. I've heard I would say, I would say, tough. I would say... I'm just talking about tough to pick. Okay, I, gotcha. So, okay, gotcha. so the, the, my favorite music video I did that I would say, if I had to like say, this is my favorite one that I've done, mm -hmm. is the Weed song with Bone Thugs and Harmony. Ah. So I don't know if you know that song. Come on, come on. Uh, so I do. I, do I mean, we could probably video. play it. I don't know if we're gonna get copyrighted. <laughs> I know, it's yeah, just, uh, we have to play it's it. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> not a song for the kids. Yeah. But actually, what's crazy? Shout is, out to my sister Kristen, who loves Bone Thugs. But everything. what's crazy is if you think about it, I mean, that song was such an underground, like illegal mm -hmm. kind of. They're talking about drugs, right? But now he's legal everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy. So yeah, so that that would be my favorite music video that I directed, and then my favorite TV show, I, I, I kind of have to say Keisha Cole, but I know okay. there's a deep cut that a lot of people probably yeah. didn't see. Yeah. It was uh, Son of a Gun with Peter Guns and Corey Guns. Yeah. I, that, I didn't see it, but I heard of that. I know what you're yeah, talking yeah. about. So yeah, really yeah. Got, we only got in one season. Yeah. But the thing I did with Keisha Cole and that show, if you really pay attention, but that show I got to really do it a lot more. What's up, man? is we incorporated music in it. So I basically had, in the act breaks, we cut these little mini music videos from studio sessions of his records. And if people really paid attention to the Keisha Cole show, every one of her um, seasons, yeah. we, we played the full records. Right. Right? And that was one of the things I, I think helped drive album sales and her uh, mm -hmm. success too. So I, I, I love that. And I think the, the vivid memory as an editor, I think it's coming into play because you remember these specific moments and takeaways oh, yeah, yeah. from that, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some, something about with your career trajectory that jumps out to me is the fluidity of all the projects. Mm -hmm. Does that come from, obviously it comes from a hustle, but does it come from a mentor? You know, can you talk about the relationships with people in the industry? Because I think sometimes when we're talking about posting black, we don't really see a lot of people in the industry that look like us. Mm -hmm. So when you're going from your first project did you see anybody else in the edit bay that looked like you? You talk about waiting for people to come behind you or yeah. Keisha Cole, you know, working at BET, but still, was it like you were learning and then like, wait, where's everybody else? There's no black people, there's no young black men. Like, what's yeah, going yeah. on? Yeah, well, okay, so, and here's the thing, I was literally reflecting on my, on my career. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I'm going to be really honest. I think the fact that I grew up in Germany, mm. from Oakland, right, till I was nine years old, then I moved to Germany from when I was nine to about 15, then I moved back to Oakland. Wow. 14, then I moved back to Oakland. Mm -hmm. Then I moved to LA. So I got, I got a wide spectrum of family and friends. Yeah. And so like, and, and for Christmas, for instance, one week I'm with my mom hanging out with a German woman that's her best friend who's a jockey and their family right. eating some rum, drinking some rum right. that they that they that they put in a barrel a year ago uh, uh, you know, with the horses in the back. And the next week I'm in deep East Oakland with my father on the block. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so what I'm saying is, is I think one 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 area that we all struggle as human beings is with being with people socially that are different than us. Yeah. And so that's one thing that was never an issue for me even one day in my life because of my life experience. Yeah. I could I could go into any circle, literally. Yeah. I could be with the killers one day, with the doctors the next day. Yeah, sir. And and have conversations and make everyone feel comfortable. Yeah. And so I think that's that's been kind of my secret sauce to everything. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, unfortunately, this business is not corporate, mm -hmm. right? It's mm -hmm. not it's not based on academic achievement. Right. Right, it's highly based on relationships and skills. Yeah. So you got to be really good at what you do, and people got to like you. Yeah. Because talk about that a little bit too. The people, <laughs> people got to like you aspect. Because I've yeah. heard, you know, being in LA, I'm not from LA either, but I've been here a while now, and people always say, "Well, you know, I got to change." I think from my perspective, LA is a city where people do the most to not conform to LA. Yeah, when you yeah. when you go to New York, people don't talk about, "Oh, New York got this." They just adjust. You know, See, but like LA, you, people come out here and like, oh, I ain't going, I ain't going to change, I ain't going to do this, and I'm like, well, maybe you, you won't be working. No, exactly. You're, <laughs> I, you're hitting on something very important. You know what I mean? And this is the analogy I use, right? Yeah. If I come to you mm -hmm. because I heard you were the best artist that paints post and black posters in the world, right, right, and everybody knows that's what you do, right, and I'm like, yo, bro, can you paint me one too? You could be cocky, mm -hmm. like, yeah, this is how I do it, this but we won't. However, if I come to you and I say, can you cut my hair or wash my child, mm -hmm. right? You gotta, you gotta do that the way I want you to do it. Right. Right? Right. Because now it's a whole different relationship. And I think that when you go to film school, for instance, and you're an independent filmmaker or you're a musician, mm -hmm. right? There are categories of things that are about you doing you. And mm. you being a great you. Yeah. And people will pay you to be the best you you can be. Yes. But there are other categories where I'm the client and I'm paying you to provide me a service. And so I think I think that. a lot of people get those two things twisted. Yeah. You know what I mean? They get those two things twisted. And at the end of the day, I think that if you don't know how to be humble and be of service mm -hmm. to people, then that's not the industry for you. Mm -hmm. You should just create your own thing, which a lot of people have done. Yeah, yeah. People have done it. People create their own thing. You got my own world, right. your own brand, product, et cetera, and then you do you. Right. But you just said it. Be humble and be of service. Yes. Yeah. This is a service industry. Exactly. And a lot of people get here and figure, find that out a little bit too late. And that's why we have a lot of, that's a whole different podcast, you know, but it's a lot nah, of, but it's real. Little energy. I, I, mean, I want to say this though, for real. Like, no matter whether you're the director of the film, mm -hmm. you're the star of the show, 
you're the whatever you are, unless you unless it's your personal money where you cut the check, mm -hmm. you are a, of service to the studio network production company you're working for that day. And all you should say is, "How can I help?" Thousand percent, thousand percent. <laughs> so, so yeah. The, to to the to the original point I was making, was there anybody that was able to help you along oh, the way? You know what I mean? People. Like you know, some mentors and, and people. people like that that you could you can count on. You're like, man, because sometimes we we are like. We've gotten a lot of notes. Oh man, I didn't even know there were other people that did that in the industry right, when we right. first started doing the podcast and doing things. And even my brother, the precipice for starting it, he was like 22 at Warner Brothers and working yeah. on shows. And he was like, "Hey man, I'm the only one in there." Yeah, and I, I got I got to go in there with him, and they're like, "Oh, you edit too?" And I was like, "No, I'm an actor." But it was like this one 22 year old black guy, and then all these older gentlemen, older white, older white men, no women, older white men. I was like, "Yo, you're right." So it's yeah. crazy. So yeah, it was mentors for you. Well, so I had, I had a ton. I okay. was I, honestly, I was super lucky. Okay. I was super lucky with the timing and everything. Shout out to Rachel Curl. Okay. I, I, I shout out Rachel Curl, Denise Jennings, yeah. Dan Grant. These are the people that when I was 14, 15, 16, mentoring me, letting me know what to do, giving me jobs. My, the Rachel Curl yeah. was a production manager and I was the... Uh, I was a summer intern at the Oakland Film Commissioner's office, and wow. I gave her my resume. It didn't have nothing on it. <laughs> I got I got offered two jobs. Rachel offered me a volunteer job on E40's video, Sprinkle Me. Wow! And I was like, it was literally for free. Wow. You know what I mean? I just showed up for free, and I had done some independent movie stuff before mm -hmm. then, like some San Francisco State student stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, but 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 that's really what got me started. And I remember the day I caught the bark. To one of the to Conscious Daughters music video shoot, and it took me like three hours to get there. Yeah, and I just got there just in time for the lunch run. So I went and got burritos for the crew. Uh, and she's like, "Hey, I was talking to production. They're gonna pay you this time." Oh wow! I was like, "What?" They paid a hundred bucks. Come on now. And that was how it started. That is crazy. But then through that, you know, Jeff Clanigan, who now does Live Out Loud with, with Kevin Hart, mm -hmm. he, he was the president of No Limit, but I met him when I was a teenager too. Robin Latiker Johnson, yeah. she's now an agent, but previously was head of uh, originals at DET and was yeah. in development owned and all these people, all these people gave me opportunities that I've never, that no one would have ever given me. And it's, and it's legs in the game that you're talking about. Now, I, I skipped over some, I don't even know how I did this. Cause you talked about it, you know, in Oakland to mm -hmm. nine and you went to Germany. What happened in Germany? Cause you came back to Oakland and you were like 14, oh, I'm in the industry. Like what yeah, was it that yeah, click? Yeah. You know what no, I mean? No, no, I forgot to skip this. This is an important part. Cause yeah. I actually really, I'm actually, I actually just learned that the program I was in okay. is just now kind of rebuilding, but it's not the same as I experienced when I was in high school. I was very lucky. I came yeah. and experienced this very unique program. I'll send you a clip of it. Okay. I haven't yeah. really shared a lot about it, but um, so two things. Yeah. One, I was a drama kid and they had this elective in ninth grade called TV Productions. Yeah. So. I took that because I'm like, I'm going to be on TV anyway, you know? <laughs> so I took that and I literally have the videotape, bro. I have the videotape. I mean, learning in ninth grade what a tilt up and down was, what a pan left and right is. That's right? crazy. They had the edit, the edit base VHS back to back. Mm -hmm. And um, so I did not, I did that in ninth grade. That and we made wild. a video yearbook, right? Mm -hmm. But we're all ninth graders. So everybody's new. Yeah. But I was the best editor in class, I guess. Are one of the best because mm -hmm. I, I was I did a lot of heavy lifting on editing yeah. the um the, the the school's video yearbook okay right so it was my first big editing project right wow at the end of ninth grade 
And, and honestly, I didn't do well in ninth grade. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was kind of messing up. That was the only class I was like really paying attention to. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But don't, don't not talk about my other grades. <laughs> um, and so I went to Oakland to live with my dad because mm-hmm. my mom was like, "Gotta go," you know. Yeah, yeah. We seen boys in the hood, right? You know? Uh, so I had to go live with my dad. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so my dad, my, dad was, trade my dad was in East Oakland, yeah. he was a teacher, mm-hmm. and my grandma's a teacher in the district. Okay. So the fortunate thing for me is my my grandmother, my dad, and a few other folks in the family knew all the programs available in the whole school district. I got you. to go find out. So they, they made sure I went to the high school to have the media academy. They're like, well, yeah. at least she's into that. Yeah, what high school did you go to? Fremont High School. Fremont. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I went to Fremont. Yeah, the media academy. Matter of fact, there's a story about media academy from my high school in the New York Times right now. It just came out like two weeks ago. Come on. Now. One of the women that was in high school around my time I was in high school is now running the program and revitalizing it. But you know what's sad, though, is a lot of these programs that I had in the 90s, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm realizing my sisters 10 years later didn't have because they lost funding. Yeah, but but yeah. but this is this is what's crazy. Yeah. In in 10th grade, I got a job at the Oakland Public Schools District's TV station. Wow. So I was on live TV every day. And then I got an opportunity by the end of 10th grade to start stage managing and directing live TV every day. Come on. So by the time I graduated high school, I had over five years of experience being a technical director, you know, doing all these different things. Because it was every day after school and we got paid. Yeah. And so a lot of the opportunities I got to be on set came mm-hmm. from two things. It was, you know, the woman that ran the program, used media, Denise Jennings. Shout yeah. out to Denise. Yeah. Um, her husband was a San Francisco State film professor. Wow. So, hey, you got any students that could volunteer on our student Come films? On. Come on. Nobody would volunteer. There's 450 kids in that program. I was yeah. the only one on set volunteering. On the, on the student films. From the student films, I met the film commissioner. Yeah. From the film commissioner, I met Rachel Curl. I'm on set with E40. I don't know if y'all paying attention to this interview. <laughs> this is incredible. Like, but like, I'm I'm getting excited. I never, I never gave that whole interview. But, that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm getting excited because like, that that type of opportunity and knowledge. And, and one thing I would say too, credit to you, because a lot of people will get those things and don't take advantage of them. 100%. You know what I mean? They, they're like, Man, I don't want to do all this. Because it's like uh, you're, you're being made, you know, parent telling you this or people putting you in position. But you were like, you seem like you ran to it. You gravitated to it. I was really into it. And you it, knew. Though, you were like, yeah. I want to I wanna do this. Yeah, because I was never, like, I was never good at basketball. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think I was a little cool at baseball. But yeah. I think every nine-year-old kid is decent at baseball. <laughs> 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 right? So I, we all thought we were going to the, the, right. the World Series one You're right. But, like, I, honestly, I think, and this is, I think, the secret. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. But I think you got to keep trying things mm-hmm. yeah. until you find that thing you really feel like you're good at. I like that. You know what I mean? Because I, like I think that. everybody got something good at, but a lot of times we give up because we try to pay bills, we try yeah. to please somebody, we right. try to get a degree. Right. If you find a thing you're good at, you're good. I love it. I love it. We're gonna have to do a part two with you, but I, I wanna I wanna have <laughs> you talk to us a little bit about the Handy Foundation and yeah. what what was the precipice for you starting that? How many people get back to you? It feels like this is part of what you want to do, and I love I love what you guys yeah. do with you. You know, all well, the, all the programs that you're going. It's important to note that like all through my career, people have helped me. Mm-hmm. So like when I got in Hollywood, I'm editing t- television shows. I was constantly, you know, meeting cats, cousins, friends, my yeah. brother. So my brother was in the military. I said, yo, you come to LA, I can get you in the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So my brother's a perfect example. Yeah. I um, came to stay with me, um, gave him um, 
gave him 10 phone numbers, mm. showed him how to do a couple things, right, on the system. I'm like, yo, call these 10 people, tell them you're my brother, tell them you know how to do these things as you're looking for work. Come on. And honestly, honestly if more people would do that, it would be more people of color in the business. Yes, period. sir. That's facts. Because a lot of times, we don't take chances on people making recommendations when we're still trying to get on. Yeah. And I think that that was one thing that was fortunate for me is I felt very successful, very young, right? So I didn't feel like I was going to harm my 10-year relationship yeah. with somebody by recommending somebody. Yeah, or that so, they were going to like take your spot. No, not take you know my spot. Because you know I, I was still editing music videos on the side. So I had cats in my house editing music videos while I'm at work editing television. So I would be training cats to edit. So like mm -hmm. there's a young guy named Ace, young mm -hmm. young guy, a guy named Robbie, right? Mm -hmm. One of my friend of a friend, yeah. you know, he I taught him how to edit at my house and next time, next thing I really chopped it over, he's like, yeah, I'm on The Bachelor now. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a lot of people that already done it, but that just all, that's just something I would do. I always mm -hmm. tell people, I give anybody five minutes telling them exactly what to do. And if they do it, bam, I'm gonna spend more time with you. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And then keep going, keep going. So I'm never, been the type of person to not give opportunity. And right. also a lot of showrunners, a lot of black showrunners now that we know of, like that they, you know, worked with me in mm -hmm. the Keisha Cole days. Mm -hmm. I did the first originals at BT that were like reaching a million plus. Right. I did the first original at home. Um, it's called Pink Pastry, right? Mm -hmm. this Pink Pastry. I developed Mary Mary and he won. I did help develop all their first originals. Mm -hmm. So I put a lot of black folks on doing those projects. Mm -hmm. And sadly, there was not a ton of other people doing it. But what I will say is, um, and there are tons of people that, that put a lot of black yeah. people on. Let me clarify that. I just want to say, not a lot of showrunners. Yeah, no, no, to me. And 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 the reason why I think I was in a unique position to do that is because I have done every job. Mm -hmm. So I could talk to almost anybody in the department with confidence and know that they can do it. Right. And and if you only come from one department, it's hard for you to tell somebody what to do in another department. Exactly. And so I think some of us are less like, you know, we don't have the experience in post or production or this area or that area. So we let we let the studio folks kind of dictate what who we hire. Yeah. No. And I think I think if you're in a, if you're a black person in a position as a showrunner mm -hmm. to make decisions, you need to hire or be a part of hiring every single person on your staff. Period. Come on. Come on. Thought about it. But to that point with the Handy Foundation, people in the industry knew know me, know mm -hmm. who I am. And after George Floyd. 2020, May of 2020, everybody looking for black editors, like mm -hmm. we, you know, unicorns out here. Mm -hmm. And uh, and honestly, I didn't know a lot of black folks in the union because at that point, I had only been in the union for a little while. You know, I just did yeah. an union show, like just randomly, recently, before that. And so, um, long story short, um, and you, it's a lot of long stories. No, no, you definitely yeah. go read about yeah. it. I don't know if you want to break it all the way down. No, nah, I mean just, just, <laughs> just the gist of like everything that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. To 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 be a, a, a open door for other people and yeah. like I guess talk about really quickly like what is it? What do people have to do to even be a part of it? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. What, how yeah. can they be connected with the Handy well, Foundation? Itself? I do have to give you a little bit of origin story. Yeah, you know yeah. How, do you know how I started it or not? No, I don't. I know. I, I know oh. it came up after George Floyd. Okay, and so you know, but I didn't know the original. I just obviously be a social media. All right, so I got to tell you the whole story. Yes, sir. Get the concept. Yeah, let me know. So, I think it was January, June seventeenth, mm -hmm. and I know it because it was a Facebook post. You might have heard about the post. Yeah. No, you I do know. know because that's what happened with us. Everything got shared on, on, on Twitter and Matthew Cherry, yes. uh, one of my connections, 
put us in the bar or in the in the, in the thread. Right. And they were like, oh, we got this uh, group posting black. They do interviews about it. And he was he started sharing it and sharing everything. And I went to go see the post on Facebook because gotcha. you just reached out about asking for some black editors. Yeah, yeah. And so it was I all this pushback. Yeah, yeah, so yeah I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, There's so, an early time story about this black editor creates Facebook Firestorm. But literally, I was literally just trying to put a list together. I remember. For a friend. It wasn't anything crazy. Yeah, it wasn't that crazy. Any black editors, yeah. DM, please DM me. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it. But the chat got so crazy. Um, with chat with 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 with, uh, with messages because mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of white white editors. Yeah. This is a private group for people in post production. Yeah, like fifteen thousand people, um, and there was a bunch of white editors in the chat that that thought that was like this is not fair mm-hmm. that that job is only for black mm-hmm. people. Right. But one, it wasn't a job, and two, um, <laughs> people looking for black editors, for black Come shows on. to tell black stories. Come on, I'm looking for Latino editors to tell Latino stories too. Yeah. Right. Like not me, but I'm saying the yeah, industry yeah. is. So anyway, um, I I just posted at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. Two o'clock. I get a call from uh, from somebody saying, "Yo, we at Netflix. I'm watching your post right now." Like, uh, and I didn't even look at it. So I look back. It's like a thousand comments. Yeah. I I still to this day haven't read every single one. No, it was wild. <laughs> it was wild. And and, and and but folks and shout out to some you know other Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, right. That had you know put it in, put it in, and in, in, um, screenshot it mm-hmm. right, and started sharing specific posts from specific editors that worked on shows that we all know. Yeah, right. And all this is online still, so right, you, right. You, you can definitely you can still see do it. a yeah. deep dive. But yeah, long story short, that's what put me in the spotlight because mm-hmm. before that I was just doing my thing. Yeah, you know, just not not really tripping on being famous about, but for me, or like being in the public eye. But long story short. Um, I end up uh, I end up just getting a lot of media attention, all the way to NPR calling me to comment on the diversity on The Bachelor. Yeah, right? like, yeah. I just got a lot of media attention during that time. And I think opportunities present itself for mm-hmm. us. Right. We got to figure out what we what we do with it. And honestly, in this case, I'm going to keep it real with you. It was an opportunity. It was a moment where everyone that reached out to me, right. everyone that gave me a name, everyone that gave me a, a list of names, I just compiled it and I put it in a deadline op-ed because they reached out. And yeah. like, we saw all the news stories. We want you to write, like, from your perspective, what the industry should do. Right. All right. So I said, if you want to meet black editors, here's a list. Right. right? And I honestly thought that was going to be the end of it. But the way I set up the list, you had to give me your email address to mm-hmm. download it. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you every hiring manager, HR, head of HR at every major studio had downloaded that list. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang. I was like, we own to something. Yes, and not, not only were we own to something, I'm like, there's a big need out there. Right. Like if, I mean, like, if Viacom don't have the resources and Netflix need this list, yeah. right? Like, we got an issue. Right. So, so I started reaching out to people. And I didn't never, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just was like, let me just meet with these people, mm-hmm. you know? And it was a moment where I was just like, this, this, this could be an opportunity for me individually to, like, enrich my career. Right, right. Or this could be an opportunity for everybody. To love. And so I got with my one of my advisors who's who's a guy named Gloria Marshall. He owns the Wave newspaper. Mm-hmm. But he owns a lot of other newspapers. He owns several TV stations. Um, and we just started brainstorming. Now, mind you, it's the middle of the pandemic. We at home anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We on Zoom just brainstorming. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, what are we doing? So so we basically um, just figured out what the need was and decided to serve it. And so what we landed on was people, we need to get help more people of color 
get into post-production. Um, and, and the way to do it is not this list. Mm -hmm. Because the list of people that I had were all people that were working. Right. They didn't need my help getting the job. Matter of fact, people was calling me like, yo, bro, I'm actually booked for the next job. So, you know, tell them to stop calling me. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so, and we have a big disparity in our business. Like, we're doing like almost between scripted and non scripted, almost 1,700 cities a, series a year. Man. Right? 1,700 series. It's like, and you, there's not enough for one not enough. to be on each one of the shows not in our at business. All. Right? So, so what we were, what I decided, and also it goes back to that, that analogy I made. You're not just going to let any old body babysit your child. Mm -hmm. So I think where they were missing in the industry was trying to get people to edit and direct, which is babysit, basically saying, make this black person babysit your child tomorrow. Yeah. And not everybody going to be comfortable with that. Not, not for no racist stuff, but it's yeah. it's really because that's your baby. You didn't took you 10 years to sell this show. Right. You're not going to give to any old body. Not to anybody. So, but there are jobs in our industries that are, that are technical, like the assistant editor, mm -hmm. um, that... It's a support job. That is a, that's like IT job. Right. right? Like you can you can you, you can give that guy a job. No one cares who plums they plumber. Right. Who plums they plumbing. <laughs> they want it, they want their their stuff to work. Right. So so that's why we landed there, right? So we landed on those that job. Um, and I just called all the people that called me and all the people I knew from my experience. If I trained somebody to be an assistant editor, would you hire them? I, I got a bunch of yeses. Urban League was like, we, we want to partner with you. We want to support the program. Um, and we actually, I can't fail to say this, our program is actually kind of a feeder out of the backstage program from the mm -hmm. Urban League. Mm -hmm. So the Urban League and a lot of the nonprofits are training people, mm -hmm. but they were having the, tr the, the trouble of connecting people with jobs. Yeah. So that's where we come in. We actually give them that apprenticeship level training, yeah. and then we place them in jobs. So today, first cohort we did in 2020 was eight people. Mm -hmm. All of them are working still. The program has helped me tremendously. It, it's landed me two first credited assistant editor gigs. Second cohort we did was almost 20 people, mm -hmm. about 95% about of them killing it, and so on and so forth. And we, now this year we've done one every quarter. So, yeah, and we've so. added virtual production to it. Uh, we're doing Unreal Engine training. Um, so to date, we've trained and placed over 90 people, and we're about to graduate 22 this weekend. Yeah, y'all don't, don't really understand the, 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 the power of what's going on here. Like I told you, man, we, we, get, we gotta do a part two. <laughs> we got to, because there's just so much in there. Um, I, I, congratulations, first off, just in a short amount of time, and that's just proof of what can be done in a short amount of time. Where can people find find you? Where can people find Handy Foundation? You know, for, uh, for before we close out, like where can they find that information? And we're gonna bring you back for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm always available to, yeah, yeah. to you. So, um, but one, you can fo follow me at, at Ricarlo. Okay, um, I'm at Ricarlo everywhere. Yeah. R I K A R L O, mm -hmm. and um, it's at Handy Foundation on Instagram, and the website is handyfoundation.org. And my business, Sunwise Media, my production company website is yeah. sunwisemedia.com. So, you know, definitely reach out if there's any questions you have, you want to find out how to participate. Um, we try to create more programming because so many people apply that we can't we can't, can't let everybody, everybody in. in. Yeah. And that's the only that's the only sad part, right? There's so many qualified people out there that deserve opportunity. Yeah. But they need more doors to get into. Ricardo, man, I, I, I appreciate you, bro. Like this is this is fire and just everything that you've done and your story and just it's exciting. And like I said, we could probably talk for, for days uh, yeah. about the, about this, but it's, I just know this is the tip of the iceberg 
but we're definitely gonna stay tapped in. We we appreciate everything you do to support Post and Black. We're gonna continue to support the Handy Foundation. And for those of you watching, please continue to follow us at Post uh, at Post and Black. I can't even talk. He got me tripped about everything. At Post and Black, make sure you follow us on social media. Tap into our uh, YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Don't miss another episode of Post and Black. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Post and Black. Be sure to like and subscribe so you can catch up on all the episodes and get alerted when new episodes release. This episode was produced by Made For More Entertainment in partnership with Trailblazer Studios. It was executive produced by Tatiana M. Johnson, Daniel K. Hunter, and David Hunter Jr. Producers for this episode, Eric Johnson and Aurelia Belfield. Production coordinator, Tyler Mitchell. Our special guest, Ricarlo Handy, and hosted by David Hunter Jr. This episode was edited by Lyndon T. Bost. Audio post-production provided by Trailblazer Studios and theme song Sanctuary by Charles. BTS photography provided by Jane Nice. This has been a Made For More production in partnership with Trailblazer Studios.